This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Oh, it's firing up in the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about that. Issues for the Nets and the night in baseball. It's all happening. You know what, Gordon? Let's go to work. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six, and of course on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM, along with JP and the great Brian Mungia. We're here until midnight. Then it's the fine line with Joe Wiz on ninety eight seven ESPN. Hey, Gordon, Larry, how we feeling? Oh, I'm excited. I'm into this. I'm into yeah, this the, is, the NBA playoffs. It's get, you know the Philly the the Sixers are, are are feisty tonight. This is the way they should have played all series. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they can't collapse a third straight game, right? Uh, no, <laughs> but it's but still this time out there, though. I mean, but this time it really wouldn't be a collapse, Gordon, because they were down big early. It was yeah. more like Atlanta. But I mean, they've had the lead here pretty much the entire fourth quarter. Now Atlanta's yes. been feisty; they have been right there with them. And every time you think that maybe they're starting to be a little bit of a pull ahead here by the Sixers, back come the Hawks. And and just a little while ago, uh, Daniel Garanali just hit a, another three, so now it's a four point game. Two and a half minutes to go. Uh, I would think that this might be the Hawks' best chance to mm-hmm. to win this series as well. So this is coming right down to the wire, and um, very good, very good action in this game. A lot of action, a lot of you know the emotions are running highs. Is uh, you just heard on SportsCenter about Joel Embiid and and the kid, uh, Collins going at each other, and th- that's what it is about the playoffs in the NBA, Gordon. It's that physicality, and you you're banging on people, and the six games you've been banging on each other, and after a while you just get tired of it. <laughs> yeah, you know the guy who the smallest guy in the court though is is like the Energizer Bunny, Trey Young, another monster game tonight. He just hit another monster three, so he's now mm-hmm. got 34 points, 11 assists, five rebounds. Uh, you know, we, we've gone to this point a couple of times about how would you feel about the Knicks based on how the Hawks played. I will say this. Trey Young is a way better player than I thought he was at the start of the playoffs. I thought he was a nice mm-hmm. player. He's kind of a, you know, a gimmicky kind of player that he'll shoot you into games, he'll shoot you out of games. I mean, has there been someone who's still alive at this point who has been better than him, more consistent than him, night in and night out? He has been absolutely phenomenal for the Hawks. I will say this, not from a point standpoint, Gordon, but from leadership and everything, Chris Paul has been yeah. tremendous in this postseason. But you're right, from a points standpoint, it's, it's really been Trey Young and his, his game has evolved. And what it shows me is that, A, uh, Nate McMillan is a heck of a coach. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's got a great staff. And they're really honing in video-wise on what teams are trying to do defensively against him. And he's made them pay. And so that's what you love to see. And even when Doc Rivers and other coaches have made adjustments, he has countered those adjustments. So he's had a tremendous postseason. And, you know, listen, the, this Atlanta team is is – they're a really good team, Gordon. They know everybody knows their role. Everybody understands what they're supposed to do. They know where they're supposed to be on the floor. They're a well-oiled machine, and the kid just keeps coming up with big shot after big shot after big play. Yeah, and probably the healthiest team left in the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. talk about the Sixers with Embiid and, and the knee. Obviously, the Nets issues that they're going through right now. Uh, I guess the Bucks are, are are fairly healthy as well, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, 
That's kind of played into it a little bit, and the lights just went out yeah, in Philadelphia. Yeah, how about Philadelphia. that in Atlanta? How, how <laughs> or in that? Atlanta, excuse me. How about that in Atlanta? Uh, yeah, this is like a movie where there's a crime that just takes place or something <laughs> like when the lights go out. So the lights might be going out on the 76ers and Doc Rivers if they don't get their act together here quick. But, but here's the thing. But here, here's the important part. Signage for the next game on ESPN still working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to have the promos, Larry. You got to have the promos. It's all about promotion, right? It's all about promotion. Speaking of game sevens, Gordon, the Nets. Game seven tomorrow. As you heard, no Kyrie Irving. Obviously, you'll see a similar situation. They will go and, and try to pull off the win at home. And this is why you have, this is why you play to get as many wins as possible. So when you have a game seven, that game seven is in your building. Yeah. I mean, when you take a look at this game, I I think that historically a lot of things point to, you know, a a good feeling for the Nets, right? Game seven at their home. Uh, Some of the Bucks players, not necessarily the same players on the road as they've been at home in this postseason where they've been phenomenal, um, I don't know. I don't know if the Nets can win this game seven without Kevin Durant being Superman. He wasn't, he, he wasn't Superman in game six. He was Superman in game five. He was, he was great in game six. He was still, you know, what you'd expect from Kevin Durant. But I think based on the fact that these games are so, coming so quickly here and there's not really that mm. le- I mean, how can you expect James Harden to be all that much healthier than he was the other night? I think that you need Kevin Durant to put on the cape again and carry you because if he doesn't, I don't know where the offense is coming from. But you know what, Gordon? I could say the same thing about the the, the Bucks. I don't know where the offense is coming from there either. I, I, I know what Giannis can do. I know what Middleton can do. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get that third score? Will Drew Holiday, who had a who's gotten better every game in the series? Mm-hmm who had a really good game in game six, is he going to bring that ability to the forefront in a game seven and not just scoring Gordon, but running the offense, making sure that they get the right play, making sure that the offense flows in the right way, making sure that they take care of mismatches. You saw them uh, post up Joe Harris on a couple of occasions in game six. So these are the things they need to do. And listen, if it comes down to free throws, I'm, I'm playing Hakayanis. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You've seen that so far in this series. But let's, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, historically where they are or mm-hmm. anything like that. But if you just take where they are right now, and that obviously factors in the Harden injury. Let's say the, the two superstars, Durant and Giannis, kind of cancel themselves out. I think the next guy you would want if you were drafting between the teams would probably be Middleton, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I guess the next guy would probably be Harden, but I just don't know what Harden I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it might be it might be uh, it might be Holiday because I don't think Holiday is going to be one for ten from three again. Uh, and as you said, he has gotten better in the series. So there's a lot riding on the Nets in this game seven. Game seven, there's always a lot riding on it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just don't know how they're able to get the win unless you know Joe Harris all of a sudden wakes up which he's not done through the first six games, or if Blake Griffin somehow just has an unbelievable shooting game like Jeff Green did have in game five, where it's just, you know, an outlier in terms of production. I just don't know where that scoring is coming from. I'm very, I, if I were a net fan, I'd be very nervous going into this game seven, even though it's on my home court. It will be somebody, Gordon, we're not even thinking about. Isn't that what normally happens in the game seven? Right? It's yeah. somebody that you're not even, not even on our radar. Like, what? Wh- 
what? Him? <laughs> How did he get some? And it may not be a tremendous amount of points scored. It could be a big stretch. It could be a big, a, a key rebound, a key block shot, a, a key bu- a bucket on the drive or something like that. You know, you never know who it is, but it could be somebody that we're not thinking of. I really believe that Joe Harris is going to have a better, is going to have his best game of the series since game two in uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Got a feeling. I mean, he, they, they need it. He needs it. Uh, that, that would be, you know, this was a guy that even when, you know, Harden went down and then when Kyrie went down, you thought, okay, here's a guy that this is not just some guy on the bench who's hit or miss, or, I mean, this is a guy, this is, he's your fourth guy right now. Injuries have now made him into your, your third guy, but Hmm. he has not really been able to step up his game. And I don't know what the issue is. He's had some open threes and just missed them. Yeah. And it almost seems like he's a little gun shy right now. So his playoff run has in this series has been an outright disaster. So if he does it tomorrow, it's a fresh slate. It's a big game. <laughs> now it's now or never, baby. That's uh, right. Because you go out in, in, the, in this round, in the second round of the playoffs for the Nets, that would be a disaster. And for me, there's another thing that's really, really interesting that's going to play into – Game seven, Gordon. And it's been a part of us that we've talked a little bit about in other games in the playoffs, but I think it will really hit home at the Barclays Center tomorrow. I'll tell you what that is when we return. Gordon, in this Philly game, Philly's up 98-95, 20.5 seconds to go. You notice what Doc Rivers has done. And what he's done is he's he's benched Simmons. He's playing, you know, offense, defense. That's right. something Red Holzman used to do forever with the with the championship Knicks. So um, when the Hawks are on defense, he brings Simmons in. When the Sixers are on offense, he sits him down because he don't want him to go to the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like he does anything on offense anyway. And in, 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 uh, in, in game five, he did not even attempt a shot in the second mm. half of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a guy who's just a complete non-factor. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how this season, this series turns out for Philadelphia. It looks like they're going to be able to hold on and get this win and force a game seven. Too early. Yeah, well, I mean, four (laughs) points, a four-point lead, 18 seconds to go. I don't know. Maybe. You might be right with the way they've melted down in some other spots. Mm -hmm. But um, if they are able to, you know, wherever their season ends outside of a championship, they are going to have to – reevaluate that roster and and Ben Simmons might need a a fresh start someplace else. It is interesting. It's which was, you know, one of the surprises with Kimball Walker being traded today. Yeah, I was was surprised. Yeah. I mean, to the thunder. I mean, he, and this was a guy who was injured a lot. Why would you trade for him? Unless you're sure that his injuries are, I mean, the Thunder are operating under a very strange, I don't know where their timeline is. I think that they're not going to be satisfied until they eventually have every first round pick in a draft. It's like they're (laughs) almost like collecting game cards or Pokemons or something like they are not going to be satisfied until the 2035 draft. They own every first round pick and they just get to select every single guy. It's a very, very odd blueprint that they're they're going with. It is odd. It is odd, and we'll see what happens because I didn't see a point guard in return in that package. So a lot of draft choices, as you mentioned, didn't see mm-hmm. somebody who's now going to play the point for the Boston Celtics. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes as we continue on. But, Gordon, what I was going to say before the break is tomorrow we'll see just how well these coaches, Nash and Budenhoser, uh, perform. 
because this is where the coaches win their money, Gordon. This is a game seven like this, preparation, making sure you have the right defense, the right offense. These are the things, and we've talked a lot about in these series, what coaches have not done, jobs that they've not done, moves they have not made, adjustments that you can't find. And let's be honest, Budenholz has not made some adjustments <laughs> as far as Kevin no. Durant is concerned. No, he he is cannot let Kevin Durant be the reason why they don't move on in the series tomorrow. He has yeah. to double-team him. He's got to give him different looks. Listen, he's going to score his 30, 35 points, Gordon. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But if if you're going to – okay, if you're going to let him do that, then you got to shut everybody else down. You can't have him score 50 and then Jeff Green give you 20 and Blake Griffin give you 15 and Joe Harris give you another 20. You can't do that. Either you're shutting him – if you're not going to shut him down, you got to shut down all the all, all the uh, uh, the surrounding characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only way the Nets win is if Kevin Durant goes crazy. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we both kind of are on that same page. Yep. I mean, I, I go crazy. You know, there can be some different levels of that. Is 38 points going crazy? Does it have to be 50? But, I mean, as long as you are able to somewhat keep Kevin Durant in, you know, getting red hot throughout the game, the Bucks should be able to win this game. There's no reason why they are not able to win this game. They should have won this series already. Yeah. So, sure. and I, 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 you know, going back and just watching a little bit of the video uh, of game six, it did seem like maybe Kevin Durant was clearly not as aggressive in game six as he was in game five, playing every minute of game five might've left him a little bit gassed. Mm-hmm. Is he able to recover in time for, for game seven? But look, you, you said it, game sevens are big in every sport and even more so in the NBA, where stars win. So yep. your legacy is written in Game 7s in every sport, but none bigger than in the NBA. It's true. And if they lose this series, excuse me, Gordon, if they lose this series, are we going to forget what he did in Game 5? Well, look, it will be diminished. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it in other – I mean, it's not the same, but we've seen other performances where, you know, a guy has a great play or a great catch or a great game or – uh, even great multiple performances, but if you don't win the series, yeah, I, I, it would be one thing if the Nets were the up and coming. If they were the Knicks, right? Like they yeah, weren't supposed yeah. to be here, and mm-hmm. and the guy had you know this fifty point game, but they didn't win the series. But the future's bright, looking forward. The Nets are not supposed to be being challenged. Now we understand why they are. It's not really the same team. When Kyrie went down, the series completely changed, but. Mm-hmm. This was not supposed to be the spot that they were sitting in. And the fact that there's at least a good possibility this Nets team does not make it out of the second round of the playoffs. Think about, you know, all the praise after game five was, well, you know, this is the reason why the Nets took the chance and signed Kevin Durant. This is the mm-hmm. reason why they went out and got him. He paid off all the all the, the, the hope that they had for him. Yeah, if you don't win the series, though, maybe maybe this was not the right road to go down. I mean, look, if you lose this series, this season has been a failure. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. It's sad, too, because it's not like, as you mentioned, it's not like you totally – the team didn't perform well or they underachieved or something like that. It's just that injuries hurt them. But here's the, here's the other side of that, Gordon. Yes, you're, you've got two of your big three were hurt. And that was something you dealt with all year. Mm-hmm. But you also went out and made a big effort to have a big-time supporting cast. 
And that means if you didn't move on that supporting cast, you may have to make some adjustments, Gordon, in that supporting cast because it means that they didn't come up big. They've had the next man up mentality. We get it. But if they don't, if they don't move on, that's what you're going to have to say. The supporting cast wasn't as good as we thought they were. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that game seven impacts Durant's legacy. I I always think that those things are silly. Uh, I do think it could impact Giannis's legacy though if he it loses does. another series like this where yeah. they i mean you can't say they should win because it's game seven on the road but they have he has to he's he's looked at as one of the best five or seven players in the world mm-hmm. and there's no other top five or seven player in the world who would lose a game seven who, who would continually fail in the playoffs to make that deep playoff run that you're expecting and not have it impact how people view that guy. Absolutely. And what helped him in my eyesight in game six, Gordon, was that he made a conscious effort on many occasions to defend Durant. And I think that's what you have to do as the best player. We see it all the time. We see LeBron take the best player. We see Kawhi Leonard take the best player. You have to when And, Gordon, he's a two-time defensive player of the year. He is. So he's got to – he has to. And tomorrow – He's got to be one of the major folks who are saying to his coach, I want him. I want him. I want to defend him. I want to have most of the defense. I want that challenge to make it as tough for him as possible. He's got to do that. Yeah, Uh, because, again, if you're able to keep Durant in the the normal human levels, (laughs) you're almost certainly going to win. And the the thing I like from Giannis from from game six was – no three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. Did not Smart. waste any possessions, ch- chucking up threes and all that type of stuff. Was not terrible at the foul line. Was six of ten, so mm-hmm. that kind of you know kept him in check there. So um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's a fascinating game seven, and, and and for a Nets team that I didn't think that there was going to be a time during this postseason run where there was really going to be a crisis point. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is clearly a crisis point. It is. It definitely is. And the other thing he didn't do, Gordon, was he he was measured. When he brought the ball to the top of the circle, he realized what they're doing, and he pulled up in the lane to try instead of barring people over like yeah. a bulldozer. He <laughs> tried to pull up and you know make an effort so that they would not call the offensive foul because they make, he makes it easy for them to do that by yes, knocking people absolutely. down like, of course. like they're bowling pins. Yeah, I mean, and, and what was it, game five? I mean, it was just continual. Eh? I'm going to back up and just head down. And he, it was like Tony Dorsett back in like 78, you know? I mean, it was really – he was just barreling through Earl Campbell or something like yeah. that. So. Ooh, Earl Campbell. Man. Yes, oh, Earl Campbell. I mean, how good was Earl Campbell? <laughs> He's outstanding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a running back. Oh, what a running back. <laughs> This was not a banner night for neither no. local baseball team and for the Mets. And once again, we'll talk about them in a couple of minutes. But for the Mets, score, this team now, a couple of games, can't score runs. Yeah, the old bugaboos popping up again, right? Oh, I mean, that was, the, that was the issue earlier in the season. Uh, you know, Lindor, now that uh, you thought maybe, all right, the light's finally going on. I know for four night tonight, not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of hits. What, they have three hits, no. four hits? Yeah, not a lot. Not, not a, a lot, lot of hits. Gordon. Not yeah. a lot. And, and, and the pitching and is good again. Lucchese uh, pitched really well. I mean, he was yeah. really good. Two hits, Gordon. The Mets had two hits. Two hits. Yeah. The Yankees didn't have a whole lot more than that. 
<laughs> yeah, but they had some run. Listen, yeah, Odor the baby, had four. <laughs> Odor, Odor baby. Oh, he bought himself another. Mo- I'm, I'm waiting for the contract extension. I mean, why not? I mean, he hit a home run. He knew it was a home run. I mean, there was a guy who played on the Dolphins. You might remember he was a, re- a wide receiver. Came from the Bears named Marty Booker. Oh, I think yes. it was Marty Booker. Remember Marty Booker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Marty Booker would catch a pass, and when he would catch a pass, he would, like, hold it out and, like, drop it. Like, he was, it was almost like he was saying, put that one on the pile. Meanwhile, Marty Booker would have, like, two catches a game. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. really shouldn't be pretending, like, hey, throw that one on with all the other ones when you don't really have um, – uh, uh, Odor, tonight, hitting the home run, like, yeah, that's – you know, throw that one on the pile. Dude, you're hitting – 200, if that. He's hitting 199 on the season. You're slugging under 400. I don't know. I would just say maybe act like you've, you know, act like you've been there before. I mean, that's but he the hasn't, one thing he gives so he doesn't know how to act. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to act. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's, he, listen, At least he wasn't batting third. That's all, I, that's all I'm asking. Just don't have him bat third anymore, please. It just puts me in a... Puts me in a mood, Larry. Couple of couple of nice plays by the old man in center field. I'm surprised he can cover center field. He he should be he should be. Can I get a day off? He might. He, they might be holding him together with Spider Tack in a couple of weeks because I mean the amount of times that uh, they're having Gardner. I mean they have no other options. I mean what are the I other know. options? It's crazy. This is the New York Yankees. They they don't have anybody else who can play center field. They don't have anybody who can play first base. It's like watching. It's taking me back to Girardi and Robinson Cano. Everybody got a day off of Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano <laughs> would play both games of a doubleheader. Yeah. Robinson Cano never we gotta get we're fighting to get Jeter out of the lineup. Never even thought about getting Robinson Cano out of the lineup. He would play a hundred and seemed like he played hundred and sixty of the hundred and sixty two games every year, plus playoffs. He never got a day. He just yeah. wore him out. Well, and, I mean, look, maybe the Yankees are going to make a trade here before too long, like Cashman said. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but I would say sooner rather than later. If we can if we can put rush delivery on that, uh, yeah. I would be in favor of that because they kind of need a little something here to get the offense. The offense has been better. It wasn't great tonight, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Well, you know, you got some extra money from the Rays. That should keep you from going I over mean, the cap. I mean, isn't that perverse as well? The Yankees are now getting money from the Rays. I mean, it's almost like they're rubbing it in your face. Ah, we'll take your guy that you can't get anything out of, and we'll give you back a little bit of cash. The Yankees are getting money from the Rays, don't have a center fielder, don't have a first baseman. Good times. Good yeah, times. it is. Let's go to the phone. Spike is batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. What's up, Spike? Good to hear you guys having a good laugh. A couple of comments I want to make on tomorrow night's net game and one comment on the Sixer game. Uh, I guess the reason that Ben Simmons, and congratulations to my adopted son-in-law, Buddha, uh, when he calls. He must have sweated this one out. I knew Tobias Harris would have. Uh, he had five or six games in a row with 20. He had the bad game. And uh, you got to love the way Embiid's playing. And then Trey Young has become... Just a brilliant offensive player. My God, that Doncic trade will never wear down because Doncic's a you know, top three or four player in the league. But Trey Young really, really showed his skills. He's a tremendous penetrator. Um, so, so, so I think the rule's not in play anymore. I'm missing something, and then I'll get to the next thing, and thanks for the time, boys. If you foul a guy away from the ball in the last two minutes of the game, the team that's fouled gets the shots and retains the ball. Isn't that the rule, the Shaq rule? Yes. From what, okay. Unless it's unless so it changed. From what I remember, that's that's the way it was. 
Right. So if you have Ben Simmons take out the ball, they're just afraid it'll get back to him. Is that what they're thinking? Probably so. Yes. Yep. Yeah. They don't okay. want they don't uh, want him really? anywhere on the court where he could possibly get fouled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying if he took either. the ball. He took the ball out and threw it over the top because you can throw it in the back. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's a stupid point. So, Larry, my uh, City College buddy and I, we, we broke down the Nets game, you know, and it's mm-hmm. on playing. And he made a great point, and I'll, I'll roll it at you guys and then get on the stream and listen to your answer. I'm really curious what you individually and collectively think. He spotted this to me, and he said, the problem that the Nets are going to have, and we'll pull it for them, you know, and Nick's on in it, is that on defense, and we watched every play together, on defense, Harden is so vulnerable because he has no lateral movement. Forget about him getting the ball and then turning around because he's in a transition. We know that. Can't get started on the hammy. But I watched him about 10 or 12 plays, he pointed out to me. He's so vulnerable on defense. So there's no one else. You know, we have the two guys, as I told you the other night, with Irving and Harden handling the ball almost 90% of the time, even when Durant's on the court, you know, handling the ball and setting things up. So it takes Harden out of that. But he may score 30 tomorrow night. He may make a shot. Who knows? But the defensive liability, and he was never the worst defender they made him out to. I never believed that. He was not bad on defense. The worst defender is Kyrie Irving. He just doesn't play defense. But Harden tried. So what do you guys think? Do you agree with me and my buddy? Do you think that he's more vulnerable on the defensive end because there's no one else to put in there? Well, I'll say this, Spike, and thanks for the phone call. If Giannis turns around (laughs) and Harden is defending him, he needs to put the ball on the deck and go to the basket. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. And that's one of the mismatches that we were talking about earlier. That's what they have to do. Whoever is defending Harden, you have to make him play defense. That's what you have to do. And these are just some of the things and adjustments that I want to see Budenholzer is going to make for this Game 7. His job could very well be on the line in this Game 7. No question. So uh, the one thing about Harden, though, is he's so strong, though. Like in the mm-hmm. post, he's not a bad defender. Like when he's getting posted up, but even now, because he's just he's he's got a, he's he's pretty strong in, in terms of his upper body and everything like that. So um, we'll see. I, I'll be interested. I'm I'm kind of surprised they have not attacked him a little bit more, given his limitations already. I, I'd like to think that he's going to be maybe a little bit better, but mm-hmm. I just don't know how much more. I don't know how much more you really can expect to get out of the guy considering it's obvious during games how limited he is. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you did see that he was a bit more offensive-minded in the game in game six. Yes. And I think he'll be even more offensive-minded in game seven, even though I know this, he was trying to do a little help helping the officials out by kicking the leg a little bit on those threes and going down. Just so in case he didn't go in, he would get three free throws because he, he knocks his free throws down at a very a, good clip. Extremely good. Uh, you know, I rate. saw a great stat. I don't know if it's still in effect after tonight's game, but going into tonight, Ben Simmons had missed more free throws in this series against the Hawks than the Hawks. Mm. Than the entire Hawks team. Mm. Mm. Wow. It's amazing. He only went four times tonight. Mistake on the Hawks not sending him more. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's why Rivers had him sitting on the bench a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, I need I need this game seven. I need to get to game seven, which will be um, 8 o'clock on Sunday night. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Must see prime TV. time, prime time. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're next on 98.7. 
Hey, good evening, guys. How you doing? What's going on, Charlie? Oh, I didn't know you guys had a Friday show. I usually get you take off on Friday, but it's nice to have on a Friday show. Hope you guys have a good weekend. But uh, let me say this about the. Uh, I mean, I mean, why is that dude garbage Tyons taking him out? I mean, seriously, enough. I mean, he's garbage. Enough. He's a bullpen killer. And don't get me started with that. Oh, he pitched well. When he after after what after his latest like one, he only get one out last start. Don't get don't get me started. He pitched well. No, no, he stinks. He's a five inning. He can't even make five. He's innings. one of the worst pitchers in the American League. There's no question about he's it. He doesn't go, he doesn't go deep in the games. He doesn't I'll give you great. You know, it, it would be one thing if he only went five innings, but he would give up one run. He doesn't do that. His ERA is terrible. He's able to get to two strikes on guys. Can't put anybody I mean, away. Yes. You're always going to be into your bullpen with him. Yep. No, absolutely. He's oh. been terrible. I mean, I mean, I I know Garcia is terrible. David Garcia on the minor leagues, he's been terrible. But at least he got he actually showed up last year and he actually. Let's see him. I rather him stunk stink up the joint than him because he got two months. He already got two plus months, and he stinks. And I don't know. I mean, now you the Corey Kluber injury really sucks, and Severino injury sucks. And because I'm gonna tell you, I have because I cannot I cannot take another starter because otherwise I'm gonna, I, I mean it's an automatic smack. I mean he give a home run all two pitch. Only him like garbage pitch like him can do it. Uh, what state uh, kept Tanaka really? Because really, because I can't stand a, a second of an even just warming up. I hear you, Charlie. Thanks for the phone call. You know, that's an interesting point, Gordon. You know, we we've been talking a lot about what's been hurting the Yankees offensively because really the starting pitching has been pretty good, with the exception of Tyon. Yeah, Tyon's you know. been bad. I mean, that's he, just, he's been bad. Yeah, that's another one of the Cashman. I mean, he's had a lot of shots at pitchers and, you know, thinking that this Struggles. is going to change or that is going to change or we'll get him in our system and all that type of stuff. And uh, there's no other way to put it, Tyone. I thought it was a reasonable gamble because mm-hmm. they had a bunch of those prospects that they were going to have to move and, and try to open up a spot. You know, they had just too many of them and not enough spots in the 40-man. So here was a guy who was coming off Tommy John. Maybe it takes him a little bit longer, and maybe it will because I don't know that there's anybody that's going to take his spot. Again, it's not like uh, Davey Garcia is pitching – lights out uh although they do have some guys that kid luis medina has been pitching really well uh i think there's somebody else that i'm blanking on their name right now that has been kind of shooting up the the charts in the minor leagues but mm-hmm. uh maybe a tyone uh gets it together at some point because he's still got some time but there's not been any progress like it's not like things are moving in the right direction this has just been the guy he's been all season well you know i i happen to uh you know in my channel surfing <laughs> getting ready for the show tonight. I heard Kay, uh, Coney, and O'Neill talking about it. And they were, it, it was really, really weird what they said, Gordon. And it when I listened to it, especially from David Cohn, it was like, but shouldn't pitchers do that anyway? I'll tell you what he said in a minute. Gordon, so I'm, I'm listening to Kay, Cohn, and O'Neill. And they and Cone says I was really happy to see Tyron use both sides of the plate, and use and and he used some more changeups. And I'm like, shouldn't you always use both sides of the plate? <laughs> yeah, especially him. <laughs> especially him. Now, here's the funny part: his his strikeout to his his strike to ball ratio was pretty good. Seventy six pitches, fifty for strikes. 
Four and two-thirds innings, two earned runs on four hits, one walk, five strikeouts. He gave up the two-run home run. Gordon, here's the sad thing. He really didn't pitch that badly tonight. No, but he never – I mean, he never goes deep into games. I that's mean, if issue. you get five innings out of him, that's – that. I mean, I think he's pitched more than five innings like once. Yeah. Uh, he's got an ERA of five and a half on the season. And tonight was – no, I mean, tonight was not his worst uh, performance. Uh, he does give up the home run early on, the first inning. Uh, and then settled down from there. The Yankees were able to get the lead. Uh, tonight was much more on the offense and uh, much more on Peralta for, for giving up the three runs that he did. And I think that that was one of those moves when they traded away Talkman to bring in Peralta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peralta had some, some decent outings early on. Uh, I think it's now time to maybe move him down on the, lat- the the circle of trust. I think he is moving further and further away from the circle of trust. I don't know necessarily that he should be uh, a guy who's coming back for multiple innings. I think he's outside the circle. Yes. <laughs> I don't he think should he's be. The circle. I, I think he's in the rectangle of trust right now. Maybe. Maybe further further down the line. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And look, when, when you watch Tyon pitch, Gordon, you know his problem is he can't. He can't finish people off. No, can't. Absolutely. He can't Two put strikes them away. all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. They just foul pitch off and foul pitch off. And that's why his pitch count is so high. That's why he can't go past five because he can't put anybody away. Well, also, he's coming off the injury, which is part of the deal. You knew that when you got him. So they're going to handle him with kick gloves. But, you know, it would be one thing if uh, he was going out there and he would only give you five. And yes. you knew he was only going to give you five. But usually it was five. You know, if he went out there and did this more times than not. Mm-hmm. Five innings, two runs, a few strikeouts, didn't walk the ballpark, didn't give up a bunch of home runs. You could live with that. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, this, this was one of his better starts, and he only went, what, five, uh, five and two-thirds tonight? Uh, four and two-thirds. Four tonight. and two-thirds, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, tonight's uh, loss is not really uh, so much on him as it is. It's the offense. It's, always, it's, it's almost always the offense. Yeah. You know, yeah. you scored three runs. You had four hits. You didn't have a whole lot of rallies after that fifth inning. Um, you know, you just take it up, looking up and down the lineup. Torres was 0 for 4 tonight. Uh, Stanton uh, had an 0 for 3, uh, you know, and, and then the bottom of the lineup, you know, when, when Gardner is playing and, 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 and then Clint Frazier comes in to pinch hit, I mean, mm. that's, mm. That's, not a, that's not a great combo there, you know. As bad as it gets. <laughs> yeah. That's as bad as it gets. You know, and obviously the pitch I'm going to name has more talent, but he had the same issue. Phil Hughes. He couldn't yes. put people away. Then he comes to the bullpen and he's blowing people away like he's, you know, like like he's throwing 102 miles an hour. But just batter after batter, just fouling the ball off and fouling the ball off and fouling the ball off. It is really frustrating. Yeah, you know? and look, Tyone might be at this stage better served as being a reliever. Might be. I mean, they're not going to do that, but he no. might be better served in, in that role. So. um uh, one other thing that I did want to bring up because they brought yes. this up on the bar- the broadcast, you know, Gary Sanchez comes in to pinch it, and people are chanting Gary, Gary, and <laughs> you know, it gets pointed out all the time about, well, here's a guy who's one of the most maligned players and, and uh, polarizing players, and look how fast fans turn, and 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 now they're cheering for. He's been terrible. Yes. I mean, what were people supposed to say? It's not that it, it's not like he's been unfairly judged. He has been. God, last year he was god-awful. He couldn't hit fastballs last year. And as you point out all the time, Larry, you can't hit a fastball in major leagues. You're not going to be in the major leagues for very long. 
Look, he and just started hitting him about a couple right, of weeks ago. <laughs> right, exactly. He's had like two or three good weeks. I think it shows how fair Yankee fans are mm-hmm. that they are cheering him after the, 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 the stretch that he has been through over the last year and, and this season. Yep. I mean, he's been dreadful. Strikeouts, the defense, the base running, the, the mental mistakes on the base paths. I mean, he's been bad in just about every sense. So, yes, of course people are going to boo. Of course people were not going to be happy with his performance. And the fact that he's turned it around right now, I think it shows you that Yankee fans, are, they're, they're booing because they want to cheer and you're not giving them anything to cheer about. They're booing because they've seen better. And, oh, they, believe yes. that, and you, they believe that it's still there. And the frustrating thing for them and for him, okay, and for the Yankees in their front office is, where is it? What's going on? Why can't he? Why can't he do that? Why can't he revert back to that? And the question still remains: Is he going to stay where he is, or are we are we looking for him to fall off the cliff again? And what are we going to do about it? Because you can't keep rewarding him, Gordon. You can't. You're going to have to make a decision one way one way or the other. Now, you know, you gave him a, a what multi year deal. No, I think he's on a one-year deal. He's on the one-year deal, right? Yeah, I, think he's, yeah. I think he's arbitration. I'm not sure, but I think he he's, should be. It's, it's, it's one more year this year, and then you kind of have to make a decision on him. And and so you know he's playing for his contract right now. Mm-hmm. And if he if he can, Gordon, players play for their contract. Every sport, all the time, they normally do great. <laughs> yeah, he's on a one-year deal. He's making six million. So now he's starting to he's starting to get expensive. And look, yes. I, I know Yankee you know, fans are going to think that this. I'm being ridiculous by saying this. Just on the numbers that he has put up so far, if he were to carry these numbers, you know, the, the percentage numbers over the course of the season, he's been, above, he's been an above-average offensive player. If you look at what the average catchers are doing in baseball, the numbers are terrible across the board. So the fact that Gary Sanchez is even at the level that he has been at in terms of even batting average, he's above average where baseball catchers are this year. Same thing with slugging percentage, same thing with on base. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's an arbitration three player. Okay, so he's arbitration three next year, so they can give him one more one-year deal after this season if they want to, and then he's a restricted, uh, unrestricted free agent in 2023. So they get one more year if they want. Uh, I guess it would kind of depend on how this season goes, but given the state of catchers around baseball and the Yankees' financial restraints, it would not surprise me at all if, Ga- if he doesn't fall off the cliff again, which is no, mm-hmm. there's no foregone conclusion there, um, that, that he will be here. I, I don't, they are invested, as I am invested in the net success, <laughs> they are invested in Gary Sanchez's success. Now, let me ask you about that because you make an interesting point about where catchers are, are hitting, but are teams living with that because defensively these catchers right. are better than what we're seeing from him? Well, I, I, look, I'd have to go through on each an and average, every guy. On average. Yeah, I would have to go through each and every guy, but you would like to think that you would get more defensively out of a catcher with the, with these numbers. But the mm-hmm. numbers themselves, you know, like um, who's the guy uh, The guy in, uh, in Chicago? Uh, Grandal, his numbers, mm-hmm. I mean, his batting average is below 200, but he's a good mm-hmm. offensive player. So they'll live with the uh, with, with the uh, the limitations there. Uh, he's a better, I think, defensive catcher than Gary Sanchez is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's not. It's very hard to find catchers. And I, look, if they were going to make some long term commitment 
uh, on a different catcher, the time to do that was last offseason. Yeah. Real Muto was there, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, McCann was there. And um, so they, they had some options there, and they decided to stick with, with Sanchez. Now, he's going to get more expensive probably. He's probably going to be making $8 million next year. Yeah. So he's creeping up there. But I think that I, I, I don't see the Yankees – I don't think that it almost is like they don't want to admit a mistake and he's been better lately. So let's hope that this, this carries over and it doesn't go back to the way it was, which I'm not convinced. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, know I, want, I want to believe I'm looking for, I'm hoping I'm pulling for him again, but do I think that all of a sudden now, you know, Gary Sanchez is going to hit 240 with 30 home runs this year. No, I don't No, And, and the question is going to be for the Yankees. What is, what is going to be acceptable for them? Are they going to say, well, listen, you know what? Because the bar has been so low for him production-wise, will they say, listen, if he gives us 20, if, he get, if we get 20 and 50 or 60 from him, we'll, we'll bring him back. I mean, we'll, bring, we'll gladly bring him back. Is, yeah. is, that what it's, is that the way it is? It's, and then the other question becomes, okay, after the spin rate stuff has been adjusted and umpires start looking at uh, – you know, the, the, the sleeves of pitchers on the mound to find out what they're using or not using. Listen, the whole league may, both, everybody may start to hit and it may be he'll end up, you know, taking advantage of that scenario as well. It's possible. It's possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this this is a story that the, the sticky stuff, the illegal substances is going to be one we're going to have to keep an eye on clearly and see how it, it does impact the game. We, we've seen the spin rates drop down. I don't know necessarily that it's, it's already led to more offense, but that over time, if it is going to, we'll see that. I mean, it might take a little while for the impact to really be felt. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how this, I, and I, I just can't wait to see uh, how this is going to be enforced, how this is going to be handled by the umpires and, and really for the something else for the umpires to do. Right. Something else. And, and that's, that's another thing. I mean, these umpires, they have – I shouldn't say all of them, but there's a lot of them that are you know, rabbit ears and, and looking to put their imprint on the game. They have sizable egos. And to think that they're now going to be the arbiter, they're going to be the judge, jury, and executioner of this new policy. I don't know that that's a good idea either. I don't either. I really don't. I don't know. I I just think what they should have done, and it's very simple, and I agree with Garrett Cole. You sit down at the end of the season. Let's figure out how we can do it. Guys, this is hurting both of us. We understand what's going on. We understand that you guys need certain things to, to help grip the baseball. We get it. But you see what's happening. Even pitchers have said, with pitchers dominating is not good for the game of baseball. So here's what we need to do. Let's sit down and discuss. Gordon, we'll sit down and discuss it next. So then let's continue our conversation because I think you make an interesting point in in the umpires now. Some of them really think they are the show. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, the expressive out calls. We got to wait to find out if it's a strike or a ball. I mean, some and then, look, we have to give our disclaimer, right, Gordon? There's a number of really good umpires who Absolutely. do their job. Right. All right, a number of really good ones. But the but the other ones stand out so so badly, they bring attention to all the umpires that have to deal with stuff. So now we're asking them to be the arbiter of what constitutes too much of anything. Is it a little bit? Is it is it a little bit too much? Is it is it just enough? And and the fact that you could this this person could be kicked out and you lose them for maybe a start or two. 
And Gordon, we talk about late a playoff race in September. I can't afford to lose my guy. I, if I got a big series, especially when you play your division so much, you play him 19 times, and and listen, you're definitely going to play him that last month. I, I can't have, I can't afford to have my guy out in a situation like that. So what do I do? Do do I have to make sure that listen, go, go down to the bullpen and practice whatever you got to practice without using whatever you're using. I don't want to know nothing, but all I want to know is when the umpire goes to the mound, there's nothing he's going to find on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's the type of thing that it seems like with this new policy, it's going to be um, pretty hard line. So if you're if you're using anything outside of sweat and rosin, it looks like, at least right now, that you're going to be out of the game. Yeah. Uh, now, maybe they will make a – it seems like there's a line of baseball wants it to be only sweat and rosin. The players are are begging for the 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 um, sunscreen and rosin, I guess, technique where at least that allows them to grip the baseball, uh, and they just want to outrule rule out the spider tack. I would think that if the spider tack is the only thing that they're going, that might be something where they can actually identify it. Okay, yes. that's clearly not just sunscreen and rosin. That's not rosin and sweat. That's clearly a foreign substance that's being put. And I would think you have to find it on the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they're going to be. I mean, all right, you'll search his glove. You know that he's going to search his hands. I guess he'll look, take a look at his uniform. I don't, I don't know how they're going to be able to. Top of the bill of the cap. Right, right. You know, the, the, the typical Michael Pineda on the neck, smack dab right there <laughs> on, the, on the front of your face. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know how they're going to be able to institute this and, and, and for it to be something that's foolproof. Because that's what you need. You need it to be, hey, this is clearly what he was doing. This is, it's not like they're going to be conducting field tests where they, they, they run the, uh, the Q-tip over it and they, they shake it up. Oh, this is blue. This is spider tack. We know for, this is evidence. We can put this in his file. It's going to be somebody looking at something and, and touching it and, uh, I don't know, going through the five senses and, 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 and making a decision on the field at that moment. And it can't be a scenario where the catcher loads up on it and when you throw it to him, he puts it on the ball and throws it back. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I would assume that that – look, this type of stuff has been going on forever. That's right. I mean, Gaylord Perry had all the different ways that he could oh, he figure out a way to get get the stuff on the ball. So, I'm, I'm you know, and as Garrett Cole even said as he was stumbling through his answer, these traditions have been passed down over time. So, I'm sure there's a thousand different ways – that the pitchers know how if, if you're using this type of stuff that you you're going to still be able to use something i don't think the guys are going to go cold turkey now they might go back to the the, the sunscreen and the rosin mm-hmm. approach there so that it's it's not as bad and and maybe baseball will kind of let that one lay but i don't know man i think this is it's amazing baseball keeps continually putting themselves in these situations where they can't win i know it, meanwhile, meanwhile, every game you're sitting there watching balls and strikes and balls are five inches outside the strikes. Not doing anything about that. Not doing nope. a single thing about that. That goes on every single day. It sure does. It really does. And, you know, you, you make a great point about Gaylord Perry. And then even if when he wasn't, he's going through the motions, so you're thinking he is anyway. Right, <laughs> he's exactly. He's touching the cap. He's arms. He's doing everything. You know, he's, he's, he's touching all, all, every part of his uniform he could touch. 
and you think he's getting it from somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. Right. And this is not like Mike Scott scuffing the baseballs or, or Phil Necro oh. back in the day where you have to have something to be able to scuff the baseball with. Yeah. Who knows where they're put? The, I mean, the, the demonstrations you've seen with people using the spider tag, you can't even get it out of the package. It's like it's like one of those sugar daddy candies you had as a kid. Yeah. Like that's what the texture of it almost. So, um, look, I, I'm sure pitchers are going to be able to adjust. Uh, the fact that baseball has created themselves a new issue by like bigfooting their way into it, and it's almost like again, the people running the sport, they don't really know the sport that well. Mm. Like if they came and said, "Okay, guys, look." From now on, the weaponizing of substances like this spider tack, and I'm sure there's other products like that out there, you, you can't use that. Now, if you want to use sunscreen and rosin, so it's simply a question of gripping the baseball. Maybe baseball can, can do it so that the, 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 the seams, the, lace, the, the laces, the, the stitches are more elevated so they can grip the baseball that way. I, there's got to be some way around this that the pitchers don't feel like they're, they're, they're jeopardizing, A, their career – or in the case of Tyler Glass now, jeopardizing their health. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of talk too, Gordon, and I'm sure you've heard it, about you know the baseballs they use in Japan, which are kind of like leather-ish, mm-hmm. you know, where it has more of a grip, so you don't have to really rub them up. And as Cone was saying on the broadcast tonight, we're still rubbing baseballs in mud. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean – and uh, unfortunately, uh, I think it was the reliever, Peter, it was Peter Moylan. Uh, he pitched for the Braves for a while. He was on one of the post-game, uh, pregame shows, and he was explaining what he went through, that mm. they rub it with mud. But unfortunately, like say you use rosin in your sweat, when you get that on the ball, that rubs the mud off. Oh, man. So now you're dealing with, and, and, the, and the mud distribution on the balls is very uneven. It's not like there's a consistent level of the mud. On e- like every baseball is a uniform level. So, they, I mean, they have to do something and, and leave it to baseball to put themselves in this. So now it's, it's a huge talking point. It's going to be a huge focus. They're going to – I'm sure somebody's going to get caught here. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know what it is? It's not even just the 10-game suspension. I would think that for a lot of these guys, your reputation is going to be hurt That's by right. this, and I don't know necessarily that it should be. You're right. I agree. Sam Zamarboro. Hey, Sam, you're next on 98.7. Oh, man, great great show, fellas. I couldn't agree more, um, it's, especially with this unwritten rules garbage. Like, like I don't know if you remember, like, back in the day when Dallas Braden was like, yo, don't don't run across the mound, right? It's so much stuff, or, or like, don't bunt, you know, it's, people get so, just, 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 just play the game. But I was going to talk about, like, the changes with the umpires. Like, I, I was watching a game, and you think it's standard, like, when the umpire calls a strike or a ball. You think it's, like, universal. But, like, when you were talking about standing out, there's this, there, there's some, like, when they call, like, strikes, it's not that they're late. It's the sign that they use to, like, indicate, like, if it's a strike or not. It's, you can't, it's not distinct enough. You can't tell. My dad was watching me and he's like, I can't tell if this umpire, like, just calls. Like, is that a strike or a ball? So it's like, do you want to be different, like, that way that it's just, like, bad? It just, I wish, like, you know, if it was up to me, like, get the electronic, you know, or laser strike zone. The technology's there, but, you know. That's a story for another day. And, um, <clears throat> great show as always, fellas. Thank you. Hi, right, Sam. Thanks yeah, for checking I, I in. I don't know that the technology is, is foolproof yet. I'm sure when it is, uh, that is a way. Obviously, baseball should be going. But, you know, I don't remember who the home plate umpire was tonight, but I was listening to the game, and Michael, you know, pointed out after one – I think it was the at-bat Sanchez had in the seventh inning where 
he he saw like six pitches, and I think all six of them were probably balls. But mm. it was like a, a you know it was a it was a two and two count or something like that. Um, and, and Michael's line was you know the, the home plate up. This guy's not that good at calling balls and strikes. He rates as one of the. Low, I'm thinking to myself, but yet he's behind the plate, yeah. right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's crazy, and, and I do think it's a little unfair because with that box, and all the different technology we have, we can. It's impossible for the human eye, for any umpire to be perfect on that. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's something that they should kind of take out of the hands of, and, and, and with pitch framing, guys looking to steal strikes and fool the umpire clearly. It, it's a very difficult job. So I'm not telling you that it's easy or they should be a thousand times better than they are, but every night there's, there's blown calls and it's right there on the screen for you to see. That's not good for your product. And the reason why, Gordon, is much like in the NBA, much like in the NFL, and I'm sure there's a lot of other different sports, it's, it's, it should be standard, but it isn't. Because everybody has a different strike zone. Yeah, oh, I, I, of course. And, and that's the issue. Okay, is it the, all right, the letters and the knees. Okay, well, uh, well that means that Aaron Judge has a different strike zone than, um, you know. Odor. Yeah, Odor. I mean, he's got it's, it's it's a much different strike zone, and then for me, not only up down, but outside, inside, and outside. I mean, I've seen umpires call the inside strike differently than the outside strike. Well, why is that? Why why are you penalizing the left hand batter as opposed to the right hand batter? Why are you leaning on the wrong side of the catcher? Like, what is it? It's just it is really frustrating, and if you are a hitter or a pitcher. It takes you a couple of innings to figure out, okay, where's the strike zone and will it be consistent? And even if it's bad, Gordon, if it's consistent, at least I know, okay, this is how he calls it. He's called it a foot outside. All right, well, a foot outside is going to be a strike. So guess what? You better swing because <laughs> it's yeah. going to be called a strike if you just hold the bat on your shoulder. Yeah, I just don't like that. It almost feels like some of these umpires, and again, not all. There are good umpires. There are guys that just do their job and they do it well. But there's some umpires that almost feel like they're on a power trip. And now you're giving them more power over the game. I don't know that that's necessarily the right way to go. I don't know. No, I know. That's not the right way to go. I know it isn't. I know it isn't. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.